This is our last uh, Sunday in, in this series on Acts. And next week we got Easter Sunday coming up, and then the next week we're going to be starting in the book of Mark. And, and we made our orders this week for those who wanted the notebooks. Um, you know, it's not something you have to have or anything like that, uh, but they'll be in tomorrow. So that means on Wednesday and next Sunday we'll start distributing those, uh, I know some of you have already paid, and, and others, when you pay, will give you your book as well, but you've got a couple of weeks before we get started, and that includes myself. My wife gave me $5 to pay for hers, and it's still in my pocket, uh, and that's from two weeks ago. Uh, but anyway, uh, this series has, has been, hopefully, it, it's been beneficial. I hope that you see and you understand discipleship as what we've talked about and, and how we've looked at this and we've seen the importance of us getting alongside of others and others coming alongside of us and, and bringing them to Jesus, bringing them to the cross, the place that he has gone and he's died on our behalf. We find all of these wonderful blessings uh, that have been there and it didn't matter, you know, in all these conversion stories that we saw, it doesn't matter how many times somebody was, uh, you know, had these visions from God or they, the Holy Spirit had spoken to them or all of it. God still sends his people. He still sent his people in to share and to become a part of what God really is already doing. And, and honestly, that's what we are to do. We're coming in already in what God is doing in someone's life. We're coming alongside of those things. And then the other thing was the second part of this, which is just to see that we don't just bring people to Jesus. We continue to walk together in Jesus and that we come alongside of others. And others, we allow them to come alongside of us too. As, as we continue to grow in our faith and we encourage one another and love one another and, and we uh, continue to convict one another. And, and what we find is that God intended for community to happen. And as we continue to await the coming of our Savior, of Jesus Christ. But we can also look at all of this and we can say, you know what? It's not easy. It looks easy when we read it sometimes off of pages. But to really do this, it's not always easy. In fact, we're going to move to Acts chapter 26 for this last uh, lesson. And in Acts chapter 26, there's a lot of things that have already happened. Uh, one of the things that has happened is that Paul has been arrested. <laughs> He's gone through all of these trials, and, and, and now he has even appealed to Caesar. Now, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome, and he's finally going to get his opportunity to get this all-expense-paid trip to Rome on a wonderful Mediterranean cruise. Uh, and if you read the story, you'll realize this, this, is, not, this is not a David Brooker cruise. This, is, this one was bad. Uh, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to go into the very heart of the evil empire and to proclaim... Jesus to the most powerful man in the known world. 
But before that happens, Paul, here in Acts 26, he's going to be given another opportunity to speak to a king about Jesus. And if you remember the conversion of Paul, Saul at the time, you may remember the prophecy that came out in his calling to the Gentiles, and he says, you're going to stand before kings. And here he is again, standing before a king. And this king is Agrippa II. Um, this guy really is a piece of work. Um, Agrippa is the guy that his father, you may remember his father, and his father's name, and by the way, his name is King Agrippa II. So his father's name was what? King Agrippa I, right? I don't know if King was actually his first name. Uh, but anyway, so we got King Agrippa, and you may remember him because he's the guy who martyred the very first apostle, James, and had Peter thrown into jail, and it looks like he was going the same thing was going to happen to him. They are not a very nice family. But one thing we know about the Agrippas is that they knew a lot about the Jews, and they knew a lot about these Jewish matters and their customs and things of that sort. And as we continue reading on in, in chapter 25, when Agrippa shows up, he brings Bernice with him. Let me tell you who Bernice is. Bernice is his partner. Um, she is also his sister. And, and their incestuous relationship was the talk of all of Rome, right? It was on all the talk shows. Uh, she also had been the mistress of the emperor Vespasian, who later she became the mistress of his son, Titus. These people are messed up, okay? I think we can kind of get this particular idea. And yet, Paul does not shirk away from telling them about Jesus. He doesn't say they're too far gone. In fact, if you were in Bible class this morning with Joe's class, man, he played this video of, of, of this man and, 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 and the forgiveness of he and his wife and, and his, his daughter's rape and murder, and, and they eventually forgive this guy, and they show, teach him the gospel of Jesus. And these guys are continuing to share the gospel of Jesus in jail. It. it he could have very easily just said, just like we might think of Agrippa and Bernice, these people have no hope. So verse 24, um, well, let me lead up to verse 24. In chapter 26, Paul is speaking about all the things that have been happening to him in his life. And he says, listen, let me tell you about my story. And he said, I used to be a persecutor of these people. I had them arrested. I voted to have them slaughtered. And then he tells them his story on the Damascus road, and he tells about the bright lights and, and going blind and Jesus speaking to him. It works. He tells them all. And it's in the midst of this, we come to verse 24, and it says, as he was making his defense this way, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. 
Now, for those of our older generation, this is not Festus from Gunsmoke. You young people are like, huh? Well, that, look it up. It's on Google. Um, but who this guy was is, is he was the proconsul. He was a Roman official. And he had replaced this guy by the name of Felix. And if you go back a little bit, you find out that Felix is the guy that Paul had first come in. And he had this, this trial with him. And, and he knew he was innocent, but he, he was afraid. And so he just locks him up for two years. Well, out goes Felix, and in comes Festus. And one thing we realized from the very beginning is Festus doesn't like Paul. You get that idea? He just doesn't like Paul. And it may be that he felt the same way about the gospel. He's not real sure what to do with this. And so he does what commonly happens in our world today. And, and the more we see that in our country, darkness comes down, and the less that people come and follow Jesus Christ, the more you're going to see this happen. We're already seeing this happen. Well, what is that? We just try to discredit them. People will try to discredit us, and they will say, you believe in fables. They will say, you believe in an outdated book. They believe, they will say things such as, these people are foolish. And they'll use all kinds of things as far as that goes. And, and what I, I found interesting is, <laughs> is he, he tells, Festus says to Paul, he says, you're going mad because you study too much. Boy, if I had a dollar every time I got that. What, what is it that, that he's referring to here? He's, he's referring to the words of Moses and the prophets. And he says, you study these things so much, he says, you're, you're just mad. You just seem like you're insane. And so, but the kingdom of God I think Festus realized was more than, okay, I'm going to change my life. I, I'm going to become a, a moral person. And, and it doesn't mean that's not a part of being a follower of Jesus. But I think he realized what was being said, which was to come to this Jesus, to pronounce him as Lord, it meant to end the way of the Roman way of doing things. It was amazing. So, so Paul answers in verse 25, and he says, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. I think Paul's handling this very well. And, and Paul is responding, seems like, in much more patience than the way Festus is, is doing this. But then something happens. He just completely turns away from Festus. And he just, he, he, just, he just focuses in on Agrippa. And listen to what he says, beginning in verse 26. For the king knows about these matters. It is to him I'm actually speaking boldly. For I'm not convinced that any of these things escapes his notice. Since this was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Wow. 
he just lays out this personal appeal to Agrippa, doesn't he? It's the climax of the conversation, in case you're wondering. This is the climax of the conversation. And he references these matters. These matters he's referring to as the Hebrew scriptures. And he says, I know you know them. I know you believe them. And so now he's saying, believe, really believe. Paul's defense, he, he just, he comes alongside. He's trying his best to come alongside of Agrippa to bring him to Jesus. Can you see how the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, can you see how it just flows from Paul's everyday conversation? You see that. Here he is, he's on trial. He's not just on trial you know, for a fine. I mean, he's on trial for his life. And he just talks about Jesus. So many times we think of discipleship as something we can put on our calendars. You know what I mean? In other words, we, let me give you an example of phrases that we use. We can say, uh, we're going to have a, a door-knocking campaign. That's something we used to say in times past. Or we might say something like, you know, we want to invite people to church. We're saying that now. Uh, or we may say to talk about, you know, setting up a Bible study with someone. And this is not to, to belittle these things in any stretch of the imagination. I, but here's the thing. Everything else that's important to us in life, we do not limit to a calendar. So when I talk about my family or I talk about this great game and the way that it ended or maybe some hobby or hobby that you have in your life, we don't limit it to a time on our calendar. It just flows out of us. It comes, it's in our conversation, we, we, we speak about it at school, we speak about it in our jobs, we talk about it in the grocery store. We do it in restaurants with waitresses and uh, waiters that we've never met before, and we're telling them all about this because it's, it's who we are, and yet here we are, and we have the good news. Oh, I can't wait to get to Mark. I, I, this past week, I've been studying for about a month or so, and yes, this past week, I wrote my first Bible class and sermon. You know how this thing starts? The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's how Mark starts. I can't wait. This good news is that the Messiah has come. God has come, and he has taken our pain. He goes to the cross. He took the death that we deserved, and he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave, and he's ascended at the right hand of God, and he's coming back. He's, gonna, he's, he's coming back for his people, and it's just, wow, we've got this news. We've got this news. Paul can't help but share the gospel of Jesus everywhere he goes. He knows Agrippa is familiar with these prophecies, and he says, I know you believe the prophecies. Now, I just want you to believe. Because there's a difference in believing the prophecies are there and truly believing in God, truly trusting in him. 
So what happens? This is the climax, right? Man, he has presented it to the king, King Agrippa. Oh, watch this. Verse 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? Wah, wah, wah. I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. So the king, the governor, Bernice, and all those sitting with them got up. And when they had left, they talked with each other and said, this man is doing nothing that deserves death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. We don't really know how serious Agrippa may have been in that particular moment. Luke just doesn't tell us. And we could, we could look at all kinds of stuff, such as the use of, of you know, Agrippa's use of the word Christian and, and these puns. There, there's puns in here. They're flying between Paul and Luke. I mean, Paul and, and Agrippa. Uh, the, but the main point's here. The main point is that this king rejected the king of kings. Everyone in the court exits. They know, it says there, they know that Paul is innocent. He does not deserve even jail time, and he certainly does not deserve death. And Paul is going to leave that courtroom thinking everyone in there deserves death. Because the wages of sin is death. And this sinfulness that we have before a holy God. And that, folks, is why Paul, Paul is just sharing his heart with these people. And he doesn't just say, you know what? You're going to reap what you sow. And that's why we share the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why we tell the name of Jesus. It isn't about having the largest church in the city. It's not about having more money in the collection plate. It's not about uh, having influential people in our church, like a king who's going to give us some kind of street cred. Folks, it's just about saving people from their sins. That's what it's about. And it doesn't matter if they're a king or it's those subjects who are in that court as well. It doesn't matter if they're the richest people in the room or if they're the poorest people in the town. It doesn't matter if they're the most powerful and influential people around or if they are the weakest that there is around. When it comes to entering into the throne room of God, we all, every single one of these I mentioned, we all enter the exact same way. And that is humbly through Jesus. But it's also important we know that everyone is not going to respond in faith and trust in Jesus. No matter how badly you want people in your life to know about Jesus, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't matter how filled with the Holy Spirit you are or how perfectly you present 
the good news of Jesus Christ, some people are just not going to take it. It doesn't matter how great this message is, salvation, eternal life, the very presence of God that was lost in the garden. There are going to be people that just will not care. And I know some of you, and I know other places that I've been, and I know people who have prayed for years and years for someone they love to come to Jesus. And sometimes they do. I mean, there, there's, there's times it's just so, so fantastic. But then I know of some, and you're still, some of you may even be, and you're begging, and you plead every night to the Father. Luke, in writing Acts, is not only giving us a history of these first few decades of the church, but he's also showing us all kinds of situations. And one situation that he shows us here is that sometimes people just will not respond. Luke also wrote a narrative we call the Gospel of Luke, sometimes referred to as the third gospel. And you know what you find if you go and read it? Listen, if you go home and read all the book of Luke, your life will be blessed today. I promise you that. But you're going to find that even Jesus Christ, even God who's come into the presence and taken on the very form of mankind, and as he speaks to them, and he gives these signs and these miracles, and he speaks the truth, there were those, many, just did not listen. And we're to see these narratives. We're to see the narratives of those who follow Jesus. The great stories like Paul, right? Man, that was fantastic. But he also gives us these. Because not everyone that we share the gospel of Jesus with is going to embrace it. And so we're left asking ourselves. We're supposed to see ourselves in this mirror. And we need to ask ourselves... So what next? What do I do when someone rejects it? What do I do when I've poured out everything I've got, my heart and my soul? What do I, what, what's next? Do I give up? Do I get discouraged? Do I begin to think, well, you know what? It's me. I'm just, I don't need to be doing this. I, I don't have any real influence here in leading people to Jesus. And so, what Luke does is he, tell, he gives us chapter 27 after he gives us chapter 26. And he tells us what Paul does after he has been rejected by a room full of people. He gets on a boat and he sails for Rome. And if you keep reading, you realize Paul is still sharing the message of, of good news. And he's sharing it with anyone that will listen, whether it be the Roman guards or whether it be the prisoners on, those, on that transport ship, or whether it be on the island of Malta, which, by the way, uh, just to let you know, um, if you haven't read the book, there's going to be a shipwreck. 
okay? Spoiler alert. And they, they're shipwrecked on this island. Guess what Paul does? He, he speaks to the island. He speaks to the, the main head honcho there of the island. He's sharing Jesus because that's what Paul does. And he's going to get to Caesar, and he doesn't tell us about Caesar, but history's going to tell us that Caesar did not listen either. But Paul just kept going. You're going to be discouraged when you witness to others. I promise it. You're like, man, what a bummer of a lesson. No, no, we need to know this. But we also need to know that we shouldn't stop. And we, we get on that ship and we continue to sail on. And there is going to be those as we continue to share the message. We're going to come up on those and they are waiting for this message. And you're going to realize at that moment what a blessing that is. Not just to them, but in your life. I'm telling you, it's so worth it. And we need to understand the power is not in us. Never has been. Remember, we're just coming alongside of what God's already doing. The power wasn't in Paul, right? It's certainly not going to be in us. But we have the same spirit that Paul had. But we also have the same results Paul has. We're really we're mail carriers in a lot of ways. We're delivering a message. What people does when we give that to them, it's totally up to them. But here's the thing. Keep delivering the message because there's people who cannot wait to get it. And it might be the most unsuspecting people sometimes. Let's pray. Father, as we come to a close in this series, we thank you so much for your spirit and what has been revealed to us in these passages. Father, you are a great and awesome God, and I sometimes I just can't understand. I don't get it, Father, why people just would not grab a hold of this. But, Father, I know human nature, and I understand that, I think, as much as anything else. And I know that, Father, we can be a very selfish people. We can be a very arrogant people. But, Father, those of us who grabbed hold of your grace, your grace that has been thrust in us, Father, we thank you. And just give us the courage to carry this message. And Father, don't let us be discouraged when people in our lives just don't care. And Father, may we not take it personally. Because I know the real, the one who truly to take this personally is you. If anyone does, it will be you. Because you, you gave the world a gift that had been waiting since the fall of mankind. Father, we pray for those who may be here this morning. And, and they, they really are close. 
they really are close. And Father, I just pray your presence upon them. I pray for their hearts. And I pray that they understand just how awesome it is as to what you give to us. Father, we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.